The bottom line is that we're never, ever, ever going to be perfect. And I think what the world really wants, what's so rare, is authenticity. If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash dreamjob and enter Don't Keep Your Day Job in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash dreamjob and enter Don't Keep Your Day Job in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a messaging app which brings all your team's communications together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. Go to slack.com to learn more. This episode is also brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is giving my listeners a one-month free trial of unlimited access to over 17,000 classes. Go to www.skillshare.com slash dreamjob to start your free month today. Thanks to BarkBox for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. BarkBox is a subscription service that delivers a selection of treats and toys for your dog right to your door each month. For a free extra month of BarkBox, go to BarkBox.com slash dreamjob when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan. Hi, guys. It's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. How you doing? It's December. I feel like everyone's getting into that holiday spirit. So this week in my house is Hanukkah. My girls are really excited. And there was one thing that um, I wanted to mention because I think it really dovetails nicely into what we talk about on the show. So when I was growing up, I didn't really understand like the meaning of Hanukkah or why we celebrate it. I just knew that I really wished that I could celebrate Christmas because all my neighbors had like beautiful Christmas trees and Christmas lights and I love Christmas movies and Christmas music. Um, and I thought that Hanukkah was like, it was okay, you know, like we lit a menorah, um, but I didn't really get the significance of any of it. And when I got older, I found out more about the story of Hanukkah and what it's really about. And I thought that you guys would would see what I mean when I share this one part with you because I think it's so beautiful. So everybody knows that the oil lasted for eight days, right? So what happened was there was a war and Jerusalem was almost destroyed, but then this like tiny army of these mighty Maccabees, um, they actually wound up winning, which in and of itself was like a miracle. Um, and then they uh, wanted to light the menorah, which had stood in the temple in Jerusalem and everything had been destroyed. So I want you to picture after you know there's been a war and you know cities been destroyed and things have been lit on fire and people have died and you know everything's just sort of in rubble and then they they win and they wanted to light the menorah that had stood in the temple in Jerusalem and they found enough oil to last for one night the menorah had it's like a candelabra and it, it had like eight wicks, right? So they wanted, you know, enough light that it would burn, you know, for all eight. And they only found enough oil that it would last for one night. And then the miracle is that the oil that they found actually lasted for eight nights. But when I got older, somebody told me something so beautiful. He said, well, then shouldn't the Hanukkah celebration be seven nights because they had enough oil to last one night. So seven nights 
were a miracle the first night they had enough oil for and so maybe we should celebrate seven nights like wow for seven nights it lasted but everybody knows Hanukkah's eight nights so he said why is the first night considered a miracle when they had enough oil for the first night and he said something so beautiful I'll never forget he said the fact that they lit the menorah at all is a miracle he said imagine you're standing there and there's so much darkness and yes you win the war but everything's been destroyed and the city is just it's been up in flames and literally and broken into millions of pieces he said imagine that the very first thing you do before you shower before you go home and try to like you know find your family members and hold them so close the first thing that this army wanted to do he said was bring a little light into the world he said that first night is a miracle that first night we still make that a miracle. The fact that they wanted to do it at all, that they wanted to put a little bit of light in the world, that that's the first thing that they want to do, the first order of business, let's put a little light into the world. Let's not lick our wounds. Let's not try to get revenge. Let's just add some light to a really dark time. And it really is amazing. And it reminds me so much of everything we talk about and how... It takes tremendous courage to keep going when there's so much negativity or there's voices in your head that tell you you're not good enough or it seems like the road ahead is just so, so dark and maybe it looks so twisty and windy and maybe you've already had to cross an ocean and you're, you're feeling like you're running out of gas and things are on empty. And it really is amazing too that the oil did last longer than they thought. And that is incredible. And it's a, it's a reminder through the generations as we light the menorah on Hanukkah. You know, we tell our children, you know, like it's amazing what a little light can do and how sometimes when you take one step forward, you just can't even believe the things that are going to come from that, you know, and like the surprises and the opportunities and the miracles that come from us taking that first step forward. It's like we take one step and then sometimes just amazing things unfold and so this is like the time of year where it really makes sense actually that there's all these holidays because it's like the darkest time right the days are the shortest and it's like the winter solstice and it's time to put some light you know and i love christmas and i love hanukkah and i love all these holidays and i love seeing people celebrating in the middle of the dead of winter just reminding us all like Look what's possible, you know, look what one person, look, look what one candle can do. You know, what's so cool about a candle now that we're talking about light. If you were like, you know, lighting a bunch of candles and you took one match, one flame, you can light so many other candles with that one light. It doesn't take away from the light, right? It's not like you have this light and now, you know, every time you, you, you light another candle, you have less light. It's just amazing. Like... You can take this candle and you can just light so much with one little light. And I think that we just get so focused on what's hard and what could go wrong and the darkness and we forget the power of a little light. And, you know, in Los Angeles over the last week, it was really scary. You know, we had a lot of fires and you can see how one little flame, like the power of that, you know, and what can happen from that. And of course, a fire is, you know, in the most devastating sense, but think of it in the, in the most positive sense, the metaphor of that. 
And so I hope that now you know a little bit more about Hanukkah, what it's about. And I hope that it reminds us all to have that courage. Like, no matter what, like, let's keep going. And no matter how dark it is, like, let's light a candle. Let's bring some light in the world. And maybe, just maybe, that light will last longer than we thought. And maybe that will be like assigned to so many people. And maybe for generations, people will see how amazing that was that that happened. And other people will be inspired to keep going and take a step forward and and put a little light in the world. Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting this podcast. The nature of work is changing again. The internet has enabled more people to become self-employed professionals and small business owners are more connected, more autonomous, and working in new jobs that could not have been imagined just a few years ago. Only five to 10 years ago, working for yourself was considered taboo. The thought being you couldn't get a real job, but that's no longer true. Today, one in three Americans is self-employed. The trend is growing, and by 2020, this group could grow to be over 40% of the U.S. workforce. The world was not built for the self-employed. Many institutions that currently support the workforce are simply not keeping up with the pace of change needed to serve them. And institutions like banks and retirement savings and employment insurance accounting services need to adapt or be replaced. FreshBooks is among the innovators who have stepped up to provide a new solution for freelancers and small business owners in this rapidly changing market. So for me, FreshBooks is a lifesaver because I don't like doing all this kind of stuff. I don't like invoicing. I don't like having to keep track of who paid and who didn't. And so with the click of a few buttons, all of that is being done for me. And it's so helpful and it saves me so much time. Now FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners and to claim it, you just go to freshbooks.com slash dreamjob and enter don't keep your day job in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash dreamjob and enter don't keep your day job in the how did you hear about us section. Thanks to Slack for supporting this podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings all your team's communication together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place so you can reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. You can organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app. Slack also saves you time and improves productivity. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or going through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. Plus, it's easy and convenient. You can drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps you're already using like GIRA, Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive. Plus, you can tailor Slack to work with more than a thousand apps. With mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. That's slack.com. Other thing I wanted to mention is that last week I got to see some of you at this event we did at the Miracle Mile Toy Hall. It's the coolest place. It's a toy store in the front and it's a theater in the back. And there's this really cool part of LA and they're like revamping everything. And we had this nice event. I think we're going to do more stuff there. And I got to meet so many of you and it was just so special to me. I got to meet people who came in from so far away and it's so touching. It's just so touching to see that you guys are hearing my words and that they're going in and and they're making a difference for you. And that is amazing. That is amazing to see you guys taking strides and taking steps forward. By the way, if you want to share with me something that you feel like you've done as a result of listening to this show, I'd love to do a whole episode where I can showcase you guys and talk about you and have you on the show. And so I want you to come to my Instagram and private message me and tell me, tell me what you've done since you started listening to this podcast, because it's been almost a year. I'd love to do that as we roll into the new year, do an episode where I get to showcase you guys and talk about all the things that you've done as a result of listening to the show. There's nothing that makes me feel better. So let me know. 
Um, you could also post it uh, on Facebook, but definitely let me know somehow. Um, and so anyway, at this event last week, a couple of people asked questions at the end, which was really nice. And I wanted to share today my answers that I gave to them because I thought they were really good questions. So one girl, she said she's an artist and she was feeling sort of frustrated because actually something good had happened. Um, she had met with somebody who wanted to publish um, a book, a picture book that she was making and they actually wanted her to illustrate it, which was awesome. And then she was getting some pretty tough feedback from her editor. And she said, what do you do, you know, when you get really tough feedback? And it hurts. It hurts. You know, it's not just like they're giving you feedback on the shirt you're wearing. You know, when, they, when someone gives you feedback on your art, it feels harder, she said. You know, it's, you're really vulnerable. This is something you're, you're, you know, you're doing. You're putting your heart and soul into it. And you just feel like it's a part of you. So she said, how do you keep going? Because it just feels like sometimes like, like I'm not going to be able to make it. You know, I'm going to feel just so rejected. And I said, I want you to think of a few things. First of all, we are so much bigger than whatever work we create, whether it's a song you write or a picture you paint or an Etsy shop you put up. You don't have to feel so devastated and take it so to heart. I was once in a mindfulness class and the teacher said, take out a pen and here's a sheet of paper. She said, and write down 10 things. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, and finish the sentence. And, you know, people took a few minutes and they wrote 10 things. And she said, you know, what's on the paper? I am 38. I am tall. I am a girl, whatever it is. People just wrote a bunch of things. And she said, now I want you to spend another 10 minutes and fill up the page and write 100 things. And she said, and it shouldn't be that hard because really you're so much more than all of that. You know, you're more than your age, you're more than your, your shoe size, you're more than your, where you live, you're more than the roles you play, like I am a daughter, I am a sister, I am a friend. You're so much more, you're, you're so many, 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 many things. We're scared, we're not scared, we're brave, we self-sabotage ourselves, sometimes we don't. We're, we're so multidimensional and sometimes we, we're just so focused on this little aspect of ourselves. and so then we, we definitely, like I know people who identify completely with their career. So if somebody comments on their work, they're like destroyed. And it's like, first of all, dude, you're like a soul, you know, you're bigger than your body. Even once I went to a yoga class and I remember the teacher saying, we like sat down on the mat and she goes, close your eyes, you know, let's, let's get into like our, our zone here. And she said, I invite you all to zip off your ego, put it right next to you. You can leave it right next to you. She said, and I promise when you finish the class, if you want to pick it back up and put it back on, you can put your ego back on before you walk out the door. And I got it. I got what she was saying. You know, it's like we're we're so much bigger than this ego. You know, this ego that tells us, you know, this is what I am. I'm this age. I'm this weight. I'm this person. I'm this role. It's like that. Those are aspects of us, right? But our soul, like if we, you know, we're unleashed from our bodies, you know, we'd fill up the whole room. You know, we're so much bigger than that. So that's one thing I told her. You know, when she came last week, I said this to everybody in the room. I said, "You're so much bigger than your work." So. You don't have to feel destroyed by it. The other thing I want you to think about is that I, I look forward in a way to hearing people's feedback because it's so necessary. You know, I'm all about like do, 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 take steps, take steps, keep going, keep going, but then assess, assess, assess. And one of the best ways for you to get closer and closer to hitting the target is for you to listen to feedback, right? Remember we talked about like economics is the, that Venn diagram where you create something that somebody else wants or needs. And so it is important to really stay on track and make sure that you're not just making the, the flavor 
flavor of donuts that are like the bacon maple donuts that you just happen to think are delicious, but you're also making the sprinkle donuts or the vanilla donuts or the other donuts that people are giving you feedback and saying, these are the ones we want. So it's important because that's how you find how you contribute to the world. Something that you love to do adds value to the world and makes the world brighter. And so we need to listen and we shouldn't be so above it and we should have respect. And and over time, if you start to hear the same thing, you really start to say, okay, that might be something I should take into account. Now there's going to be, of course, people who are going to just say nasty things. And so we don't want to necessarily like keep changing who we are to every single whim of every single person who has an opinion. But there is sort of like a flow to things. And we can start to see where people are giving us a consistent sense of the same feedback. And we can say, okay, you know what, maybe I need to look at that. And so I'm not above it. And when somebody, you know, gives me feedback, I respect it. You know, when there's like haters out there, of course it's uncomfortable. You know, nobody likes for people to put down what you're doing. But on some level, I I respect it and I look to see like if that starts to be consistent, then I should listen. I should listen to that. I should take that feedback and I should see if I can do something about it. Okay, so that's that. And the other thing is, why are we so hard on ourselves? You know, like if we actually give ourselves the grace and the patience to, to do this work, why do we have to be that defeated when we get some bad feedback? It's like my daughter, you know, she's sick. She's learning to tie her shoes and she gets it wrong many times. And she's learning to write her letters and she's learning to read. And she, and there's a lot of mistakes along the way. And she has to give herself the grace and the patience to, you know, to get back up and she'll, she'll make a mistake and she'll get back up again. And, and I think when we're that devastated, it's really because we're being so hard on ourselves. It's like, forget it. I can't tolerate, you know, how I feel about myself if someone tells me that this is lousy and and I make this the sum total of what I think about myself. It's like, give yourself a break. Be kind to yourself. Don't expect to be perfect right away. And also, I feel like we've lost this sort of reverence for the work. The work. There's something amazing about it. You know, Van Gogh, he didn't sell a single painting in his lifetime, right? It's like there were people who just for the sake of the work They loved the work and honing their craft and getting better and better and making micro incremental changes every step of the way until they were incredible. And I I talked to you guys about how I was in the Hamptons and my uncle was showing my kids Fred Astaire. And I said, this is greatness. You know, we live in a time today where there's so much mediocrity and people are so quick to quit if they don't advance fast enough or if they don't, you know, get the feedback they want fast enough or the opportunities don't click fast enough. Where's the patience and where's the kindness to ourselves to be gentle and say, this is what I really want and I'm willing to stick in it and I'm willing to stay the course so that I can make something beautiful and okay, so it might not be perfect right away. Is everybody born Mozart? I mean, is everybody born Beethoven? Like we, we no, give ourselves that sort of like slack. Um, and so that, that's what I told her and I, I asked her if she thought it helped and she said she thought it helped. So that's good. Um, and then there was somebody else there and she asked me about an album she was creating and how she's been working on it for a while. And, you know, she just hasn't been able to put it out in the world. And, you know, she comes up with a million reasons, like maybe she should, you know, get more artwork done first for the, you know, album art, or maybe she should have somebody else, you know, tweak one of the mixes and pay an engineer. And maybe it's not perfect enough. And I said to her, something I love is beta, like the whole idea of beta, putting things out there. I love it because, 
I don't think that we should overthink things so much. I think that sometimes we are like overthinking and overthinking one particular song or one particular chapter or one particular business or a website. And it's like, just get it out in the world and find out what people think and start to start to practice and use it and see where the you know pitfalls are and what things you need to change. And you're never going to be able to see three steps down the road and three different, you know, different corners before you walk down that road. And then you turn the corner and you go, oh, now I see what's on this corner. You have to go. You have to keep the momentum. What happens to water if it just stays stagnant? If it doesn't keep moving, it actually becomes deadly. It becomes sickening. It becomes poisonous. Like we have to keep the momentum. So yes, you should put your heart and soul into things, but then get it out there. Put up an Etsy shop. Okay, so it's not perfect. Okay, so you're not sure about the title. You'll you'll keep figuring that out. Ask people what they think. Start to see what's working. Start to see what's not. You'll take something down. You'll put something else up. You don't even know what your your thing is going to be after all so don't overthink it and get stuck just keep putting things out there you know just keep putting things out there and it'll be clear and you'll just listen you'll listen for where you're supposed to go and you'll you'll feel that sort of like sense of aligning and uh you know, eight or nine months ago, I was at Royce Hall at UCLA and I was watching Oprah. I was there for Super Soul Sunday. It was awesome. Somebody got me a ticket. It was great. And Oprah said that years ago, the thing that had actually made everything start to click for her is that she realized she just had this like epiphany that her job every day was to align her little ship with this mothership. She just felt like that's what it is. There's a mothership. There's like the source of all these souls. And our job every day is to wake up and, and, and take this, this soul that we have, this little ship, and, and align it with the mothership and just close our eyes and get quiet every morning and say, how do I align with what I'm supposed to do? And, and then you just keep sailing, you know, and you keep charting that course. That's your North Star. Like, are you in alignment with who you are and what you're supposed to do? And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And, and I saw somebody post on Instagram, they post hustle and they put a line through it. And then underneath the word hustle with a line through it, it said align. So it said hustle, align. It's like, yeah, like align with really where the flow is going, where you feel most alive, where you really feel the most joy, and you will be amazed at what starts to happen. Believe me. So I hope that that stuff was helpful. And today we're going to talk all about how to save time because I know procrastination is such a big piece of all of this and I want to get you guys kind of over that hump. And so I'm excited to dive into this and talk about how do you get more done in less time. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting our podcast. Skillshare is giving you a one-month free trial of unlimited access to over 17,000 classes. You can just go to www.skillshare.com slash dreamjob to start your free month today. Skillshare is amazing. If you guys want to learn stuff about graphic design, if you want to learn stuff about illustration, watercolor, hand lettering, I thought it was super cool. They have things on branding, email marketing, project management. You can take a class on public speaking. It's amazing. Like anything you want to learn is there. There's so much you can be learning. So Are you looking to grow your own business or become a more well-rounded professional or turn your passion project into a side hustle? Then you should try Skillshare. With over 3 million members and more than 17,000 classes, Skillshare is the Netflix for online learning. Classes are taught by industry experts and experienced professionals. Perfect if you're looking to build your career and add impressive skills to your resume or if you just love to learn new things. You can take classes in graphic design, digital illustration, DSLR photography, social media marketing, and more. Get unlimited access to all of this for a low monthly price you never have have to pay per class again and for one free month you can go to skillshare.com slash dream job that's skillshare.com slash dream job
Our show is also supported by BarkBox. BarkBox is a subscription service that delivers a selection of treats and toys for your dog right to your door each month. All you have to do is tell BarkBox how big your dog is and choose a monthly plan subscription, which you can cancel at any time. Every month, BarkBox paw picks the best natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. All edibles are made in the USA or Canada. Free shipping on any BarkBox within the continental US. BarkBox will replace any items your dog doesn't like from the box, Scout's Honor, and send you something else for free so BarkBox sent a box of toys and treats to a friend of mine he owns a dog and he loved it and I was really impressed because this particular friend of mine he works in a lot of shelters and he really cares about animals and I know he wouldn't have given his stamp of approval if he didn't think it was really worth it he said it was really lovely and he thought they really took into consideration what animal lovers would really want to have their dogs playing with or eating BarkBox is a new and exciting way to gift friends or family members who own a dog. Each gift subscription includes toys and treats in a unique theme every month. It's a great way to try a variety of treats and toys from local and small businesses that you may not otherwise be able to find. Give the gift that keeps on giving and make somebody's lucky pup the happiest pooch on the block. Visit BarkBox.com slash DreamJob for a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan. That's BarkBox.com slash DreamJob for a free extra month. All right, so today I want to talk about how to get more done in less time. I want to talk about some time hacks. The near is quickly approaching, and I know that one of the biggest things that would be so incredibly helpful is if we figured out how to get more done in less time. And part of it is that we procrastinate, okay? Part of it is that we procrastinate, and I want to see if we can figure out what are the mental things that are going to give us more bandwidth mentally? And what are some of the logistical things that we can do so that we can actually create the time and do more so that we can get the stuff done, we can get the progress, and we can get the results that we want. So I'm going to just get right to it since it's all about saving time. I hope that this podcast is chock full of things that are going to help you really move the needle forward so that this new year in 2018, you are feeling that sense of progress and you are getting the results. It's all about that, right? Results don't lie. So let's talk about some things that are really crucial for you to get more done in less time. All right, here we go. First of all, I want to make this really clear. People tell me all the time that they do not have the time. They just don't have it. When it comes down to it, I think the main reason why we're not finding the time is because we're uncomfortable doing the stuff, right? And so in our minds, if we feel like the the task at hand is daunting, or if we feel like the task at hand is something that makes us uncomfortable, we put it off. We put off the things that get us out of our comfort zone. So part of it, part of not having the time and telling yourself you don't have the time is actually you need to rewrite the script because sometimes it's not that you don't have the time. It's that that you don't want to do that stuff. You want to push that stuff off because it's, it brings up stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. Is that true? Okay, so that's that's one thing. So let's see if we can dive into that a little bit and see if we can turn that around so that you're more inclined to, to do that that stuff, even if it might be the kind of thing that you have been putting off. So here's what I mean. First of all, good enough is good enough, okay? Part of it is that when we sit down to do the work, whether we're working on our novel, building our website, brainstorming ideas for our business, sometimes we're putting that off because when we've dipped our toe in and we've tried to write the song or we've tried to work on our business or we've tried to work on the novel, as soon as we're sitting and we're being creative, 
often people have this like onslaught of, of negativity. Often it just becomes really just painstaking because we sit down to write a song or we sit down to write the novel or we're working and we're trying to think about things for our business. And, and we just feel that sense of like, oh, this isn't good enough that we have this critical voice that's telling us, oh my gosh, no one's going to want this or this chapter isn't good. Or we rip the page out and we, we start again. You know, you've seen those images of people at the typewriter and they just keep ripping pages out. And next thing you know, like they're, they're surrounded by crumpled up pieces of paper on the floor. If that's your experience of being creative or working on this task, then of course you're going to want to avoid it because it's just, it's not fun. It's super unpleasant, right? So what I want to remind you is give yourself the space that you're, you're not going to criticize yourself at every single step of the way. You're going to allow yourself time to chip away and to be creative and to be working on things and getting things done. And you're going to go back and there'll be other times and other days that you follow up and then you're editing or you're, you're, you're looking at things with a more critical eye and you're working on the chapter from a more editorial perspective or you're working on the song and you're saying, okay, now what aspects of, of what I did on day one do I like and what might I not keep? So looking at things that way and not being as critical, I think is really helpful. Okay. Here's another thing I want you to think about. We've talked about it in the past. You know, we've talked about how it's not the time that you're missing, it's the energy, right? And so there are certain things that are going to give you such a burst of energy that you're going to be compelled to find the time. Here's a couple of those. Number one, I want you to start to think about all the things that are possible that would happen and that could happen if you got this work done. I want you to have certainty. I want you to have certainty of what could be possibly on the other side. And and you can gain that certainty by looking at other people who might be miles ahead and what has transpired in their life because they got to work. What happened? Do they have their own shop? Are they are they getting to do what they love every single day? Are they making six figures or seven figures doing the work that they want to be doing? in this world. And if they're doing it, then that gives you certainty that that actually has happened. And therefore it definitely can happen for you. So sometimes that certainty in my own life, it's woken me up and it's gotten me out of bed sometimes at 4.30 or 5 in the morning because I'm just so excited. I'm like, I want to get this stuff done because think of what I could create for my life and how that would change my own life, my children's lives, and what what's really possible. And so having that certainty is going to give you the energy that might in fact mean that you won't be putting those things off. Because if you really knew what's possible, if you got that novel finished, if you really were certain what's possible, if you finished those three songs and that those songs could wind up on an episode of your favorite TV show or make you 50 grand by being in a Starbucks ad, if you really thought about that every single day, maybe you'd be compelled to find the time. So it's really about the energy behind things. And when we have a that gusto, we make the time. I hope that that makes sense. So think about that for a second. Another thing that's important is to break large projects into smaller tasks, okay? This is really, really important. Part of the reason why people don't do enough about what it is that they want is because they're overwhelmed. If you're thinking to yourself, I want to publish a book, or if you're thinking to yourself, I want to make $100,000 with my music, or I want to open a brick and mortar bakery, that is not something you can necessarily do today. You need to break that into pieces. So I want you to be a problem solver and I want you to look at that big picture goal and then I want you to ask yourself the questions, okay, so what are the small incremental steps that I would need to take in order to meet that ultimate goal? So if you want to publish a novel, you need to write 
the page, and then the chapter, right? And in order to get the, the publishing deal, you need to send an outline and an overview and a sample chapter to your lit agent, who's then gonna send it to a publisher. So once you break that into pieces, now instead of waking up and saying, I wanna publish a book, oh God, my mind doesn't have any clue what to do about it, you can say, oh, I know what I need to do today. I need to start working on the chapter. I need to write a page, and that's much more doable. Or if you wanted to open a bakery and you'd break that into pieces and you'd say, well, if I want to open a bakery, I need to have enough money to have that brick and mortar shop. Maybe you do a little bit of research and you find out that small business loans can happen if you have, let's say, 18 months or two years of some track record of profit and loss where you're able to show somebody, here's what I've made. Here's what here's what my business is doing. Would you be able to give me a loan? Therefore, you can work backwards from that and say, what am I going to sell in my bakery? Am I selling pies? Am I selling cake pops? Am I selling gluten-free cupcakes? And then you can say, all right, well, if I need to show 18 months of this, which we talked about in Greg Mendel's episode, which is early on in our show, and, and he talked about this very thing. So you might say to yourself, all right, well, in order to do that, where can I start selling my cake pops? Maybe I would sell them in various places where people are congregating, maybe in front of the library, maybe at the mall, maybe I'd sell it at my, my kid's school. And over time, I could just keep a record of what I've sold and what I've made. And, and over time, I'd be able to show a bank, okay, this is what I'm making. So then today I could say, well, I probably need to go get in the kitchen and be making some recipes. And, and where might I make some phone calls? Who might I, who might I call so that I could be selling these cake pops? Maybe I'll call a coffee shop and see if they want to sell some of my cake pops and we'll see how well that does. And then if that does well, maybe I'll call three coffee shops and I'll offer to sell them my cake pops and, and they'll sell them for a little profit and they'll have extra resource to add to their already paying customers with, with their coffee. They'll then be able to buy a gluten-free cupcake of mine. And, and you work backwards from that and now you can break it into pieces, right? So I want you to think about this big goal and then I want you to take the time to break that goal into pieces. That's gonna give you energy and that's gonna help you be less overwhelmed so that you actually can sit down and do some work. Okay, now here's a few other logistical things that are really important, okay? Number one, find your groove. Okay, so everybody has a different time of the day where you're on fire. For some people, they are night owls. I have a friend who can stay up and work. If he's excited, if he's passionate about something, he can stay up till four in the morning, burning the midnight oil, and he loves it. He loves the quiet, and he loves that he can just get so much done, and he's worked on so many side hustles and so many projects that way. For me, it's not the case. For me, I wake up in the morning and I am so ready to like jump out of bed and get the day started. So I try to get a head start on the day because I have three little girls, one-year-old, four-year-old, and six-year-old. And when seven o'clock rolls around, they've got to be woken up. I got to get them breakfast and I got to get them out the door and get them to school. So I try to get a head start on the morning by waking up at 4.45 or 5 a.m. so I could get a solid hour to two hours under my belt when things are quiet and I just hear like the morning, the dawn and, and the birds are chirping. And sometimes I'll even take a quick walk around the block just to sort of feel that energy. And I'll think about what I want to accomplish today and how lucky I am to be alive. And I'll get downstairs and I'll get to my computer. And because I've broken the, the big project into little tasks, I know what specific thing I'm gonna work on that moment and that day, okay? Here's a few other things to consider. 
schedule the time, okay? If you don't have it on the schedule, don't just assume you're gonna remember to do it. So you need to schedule the time that is so important. You know, there's a a famous saying and, and, and it says, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I know that to be so true in my own life because with each child, I only took on more projects. And so now currently, I have three kids, I host this podcast, which I love doing. I have a book deal, so I'm writing a book. I work on classes, I teach three big classes to different songwriters across the world, which is so much fun. And I run a licensing agency where I help not only myself to get my music placed in TV shows and ads, but I also help 40 other artists as well. So there's a lot going on and I make the time. And the busier I am, it actually forces me to carve out time to be with my kids and forces me to carve out the time to get each one of those tasks done. So I want you to make sure that you schedule it. Now, one thing to think about is before the week begins on Sunday evening, have you looked at your calendar for the upcoming week and have you made sure that come next Friday, you're going to feel really fulfilled with what you had on the calendar. I want you to be proactive in planning your week. There's a, a quote I posted on Instagram and it said, plan backwards, hustle forwards. What I want you to do is I want you to constantly be thinking about this. Plan backwards, hustle forwards. What does that mean? It means begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end of the week and plan backwards and hustle forwards. Where do you want to be at the end of the week? What's your goal by the end of one month, by the end of three months? When I was starting out as a songwriter, I used to look at it in chunks of like three to four months. And I would say, okay, by the end of this third month, I want to have five songs written and recorded. So if I want to have five songs written and recorded, I would work backwards from that and say, I'm going to write a song every week so that at the end of three months, I've chosen my favorite of the bunch. I've chosen my favorite of the 12 songs I wrote. I chose my favorite five. And then I'm going to make sure that I've recorded that. So I was going to build in time to write and record every single week. So by the end, I would say, okay, now I know I've got 12 songs written and recorded, which are the ones that I now love the most. Those are going to go on an EP and I'm going to put that up on iTunes and I'm going to work on getting that EP out to different music supervisors and I would work backwards from that. It's the same thing today. When I'm working on my book, I say, okay, the publisher gave me a date when this is due. So I'm going to work backwards from that date and I'm going to say, if I have to have these 12 chapters done, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a chapter done each week, which means on Monday, I'm going to do some brainstorming. And by Wednesday, I'm going to look at what I did and I'm going to start start to compile it into a chapter and I'm going to send it off to my editor and I'm going to get notes back. I'm going to work backwards and hustle forward, work backwards, hustle forward so that you're working smart. I once had a mentor of mine. He said to me, when you're really good at business, You're working on your business more than you're working in your business. And my mom used to say to me when I was in fourth grade, she'd say, when you're writing a paper, think about your outline, really spend the time. And then the paper writes itself, right? If you're really clear, if you're working on something and you have that bird's eye view, now you're not going to have to spend so much time working in it because the process is really dialed in. And now you can just hustle forward. And now you can really dial in all the inspiration and the passion because the system is in place. So I want you to think about that. And when it gets to Friday every week, perhaps you can do a weekly review and look at 
what got done, what didn't get done, okay? So that you can think about that for the, for the upcoming week and how you're gonna make a little slight adjustment to make sure that more gets done the next week. Another really important thing that's gonna save you time, that's important in working smart, is to look at what feedback you might have gotten. What feedback did you get? Did anybody give you notes on the song? Did anybody comment on the work you're doing? Did anybody taste the recipe? And did they say that they didn't, they didn't prefer this cupcake? They liked this one better. Because as you're working and you're hustling, you definitely want to assess what's working so that you can fold that in so that as you continue to move forward, you're making those incremental changes that are making those micro adjustments, which is, which is making everything just more delicious. And you're really going to be closer and closer to hitting your target as you're folding in the feedback. So that's really important. Another one that's super easy is Stop watching as much TV as you do. They say that most people are watching two to three hours of TV a night. Could you stop watching Netflix and could you give yourself a reward to binge a certain show once you complete a task? That would be awesome. Think about it as a reward and you tell yourself, okay, in my free time this week, I am going to really hit it hard and I'm going to work on these particular tasks. And then come Sunday, I'm going to let myself binge on a certain show and watch like three episodes because I know I've earned it and I've done what it is that I love to do. And I'll just reiterate, I said this at the top of the show, let me just reiterate, when you start to have fun, when this starts to not be something that you want to put off because you actually like it, when it starts to not be something that you're always sitting down to do and then criticizing yourself, when you start looking at this this stuff and this work as, as your fun time, you're not going to need to watch TV. And I know because I haven't had a TV in about 12 years and it's not because I'm pretentious and I don't like TV because I could binge watch The Bachelor like nobody's business. I could watch Arrested Development and Curb Your Enthusiasm all day long. I like TV. It's that I actually have grown to have more fun. I'm, I'm being really honest when I tell you my work to me is where I have my most fun. I'm not joking. Like I look forward to work. It is so much more fun for me than watching a TV show. It's like the best ever Sudoku puzzle I could ever do. It's like my favorite game. It's my favorite friend. I love my work. And when you start to do it and you start to get stuff done and you start to feel accomplished and, and you start to feel like you're making headway, you do love it more and more. And when you start to see momentum, of course you, you do it more and you double down and you triple down because you realize that every step that you, you put in, it, it really equals like three steps or 12 steps because things are gonna start to happen as you do this work. Here's, here's one of the side benefits. Everything you do, every time you work on something, it's always equal to more because things happen, surprises happen, you meet people, connections take place, and opportunities arise that you never could have planned for. And so you're like, oh my God, this is addictive. I love working on this. And hopefully the stuff that you're choosing to work on, these are your passion projects, right? So it makes you happy. And, it, and it's a really satisfying feeling when you know you're not pushing off the stuff that you really wanted to be doing. And if you could do that this year, if you could give yourself that gift that you're going to be doing the stuff that you know you need to be doing for yourself, you're getting out of your comfort zone and you're working on your particular passion project, your craft. It's an incredibly exhilarating feeling. It gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. And another side benefit is that by you doing the stuff you love to do, you're going to inspire other people. We've talked about this before, but there are people in this world who are going to hear it or going to get it or going to connect 
different when they get it from you. Yes, there might be people who already wrote three books on a similar topic. Yes, there might be people who already have four pie shops, but there's gonna be a tribe of people who say, no, there's something about your pie that makes me the most happy, that I like the most. There's something about your book that the way you said it, yes, I heard the message before, but when you said it, it clicked. So it's worth it to put in the hustle to find the people who truly you are born to inspire, you were born to contribute to. It's worth it to find your tribe. So keep going, absolutely keep going. Another thing I want you to keep in mind is don't multitask, okay? Do one thing at a time. Now, it doesn't mean I have so many things on my plate, which actually keeps things very fun, but it does mean that every hour, I'm not trying to do the same three things at the same time. What I will do is spend an hour on the podcast, then I'll take a break, then I'll spend an hour on the book, I'll take a break, then I'll take, take an hour to teach my class, I'll take a break, I'll spend an hour with my kids. But this is something to keep in mind. We, we think that we can have multiple tabs open, but it actually really makes us a lot less productive. It's sort of like Vinny was here on the podcast and he said, he said something so great. He said, I'd rather spend 20 minutes with my kids without the phones at the table than 60 minutes where everybody's there, but they're checking their phones. You just don't get the most quality, right? So I want you to remember that and I want you to focus for an hour. Now it doesn't have to be four hours. In fact, this is another thing I want you to know. Studies have shown, the science shows that you need to take a break for five to 10 minutes every hour. Walk around the block, go outside, get some vitamin D. These are things that really actually help fuel you to get more out of the next hour. If you keep going, you're actually gonna start to get less and less out of what it is that you're putting out because you start to get fatigued. You need to take those little breaks, it's important. I heard that Steve Jobs used to take a walk, like this was part of his routine. He'd like just stop what he was doing, he'd go outside to just put things down for a second and just allow there to be some space so he could have a creative thought, he could be inspired, and then he could get back to it. My husband used to say to me when I would be struggling with an idea or something, he'd say, sleep on it, you know? Let it, let it sit for a minute or go take a shower or go take a walk and then come back to it. And sometimes your mind really needs that break in order to come back with a fresh perspective so that you can actually move forward with more gusto. So take a break every hour for five to 10 minutes. A couple other things that I think are gonna set you up to win, think about like with your cell phone, right? We all know there's a certain part in the day where the cell phone battery starts to go lower and lower until it's red. And that's a very nerve wracking moment for everybody. So what we do is we prepare. We either have a charger in the car or we have a charger with us um, and we know that we're gonna go home and we're gonna charge it at a certain time or we have rituals where like we charge it overnight or we charge it in the morning or whatever we do. We have to think about our own batteries, our own energy levels like that. And so you can't just hope and pray that you're going to wake up, you're going to go through your day, you're going to have some stressful conversation, you're going to be in traffic, and then you're just going to have the energy to get this stuff done at the end of the day. You just can't hope. You have to put it in your life. You have to make sure that you're, you're inserting into your life the things that give you energy so that those batteries are charged, whether that means that you're going to go on a hike because you know that always gets you out of your slump, or whether you're going to listen to this podcast, or whether you're going to create a playlist of songs that gets you so excited and motivated, and you're going to take a walk, or you're going to go to the gym, or you're going to meditate in the morning. It has to be a non-negotiable that we pro- actively make our happiness a choice and that we do the stuff that we know we need to do in order to keep our batteries fully charged. We cannot just 
coast and just hope I am a, I am a human being just like you and there are so many things that creep into my mind or people's energies that I'm around or, or things that make me sad and I hit that wall and so of course I can't just be at the mercy or at the whim of any of these things that are just going to be like you know I'll be like a kite flying in the wind and going in whatever direction this stuff just happens to come at me at I can't I can't risk it so I have to, you know, of course I, I get sad and I go through those things, but then I, I've trained myself to do certain things that wire me a certain way that get me out of that. I'll feel that for a few minutes or sometimes I'll feel that for an hour or sometimes it's like it's just such a frustrating feeling and I'll, I'll have to cry or I'll be so upset. But I'll, I'll train myself because there are certain things I know that are going to give me that energy back. Sometimes it's listening to a certain person or reading a book or sometimes it's listening to certain songs or meditating, but I'll make sure that I don't leave it to chance, but I proactively take responsibility to get myself fired up so that those batteries are charged. A couple other things to think about. When it comes to like household tasks and chores, I have found that hiring someone to do those things for me, it's so worth it because if it costs me, let's say a couple hundred bucks a week for somebody else to do the dishes or somebody else to take out the garbage, whatever it is, that actually leads to so much more earning potential for me because I don't have to do those things. So thinking about that might free up some time. Household tasks, can you uh, have somebody else do that for you? Also, proactively prioritize what needs to be done and deprioritize the stuff that's less important. How often do you know there are times where you're like going through mail or you're cleaning out your, your cupboards right? and, you're, and you're saying to yourself, this didn't really have to be done right now. You know, I didn't really have to do this and I'm pushing off the stuff that I probably should have prioritized instead of this. And checking email, they say, has become one of these things where people just constantly do and do this checking of the email. And sometimes really that could wait. That could wait a few hours. That could wait till the end of the day. And you could really prioritize other things if you weren't checking your email so often or responding to people just because they wrote to you they could wait a few hours you need to make sure that you get done the stuff that has to get done something else that I think is fun is just to create an environment that you're excited to be in right so like if you create a little office in your house and it doesn't matter if it's like a tiny little room it doesn't matter if it's even a section of your bedroom but create an office, a little space, which makes you feel excited. Maybe you put up a really cool quote. You get, you go onto Etsy and you buy a cool poster that says something that really empowers you and you just put it up right there. And, and you get your favorite drink, right? You have it stocked in the fridge. So whenever you go to sit down at your computer, you go to work, you, you just go and grab that like cappuccino or you grab something that just gives you that little lift and that's your reward for sitting down and getting to work. Or maybe you have a few pairs of Lululemon pants or comfy yoga pants that you like just love and they make you feel like so like relaxed and, and, and ready to like take on the world. Maybe you, you, you save those for when you're going to be sitting down and getting to work because it's like all these things help you to get into that mind frame and to get excited. Another thing is making sure that your, your workspace is decluttered because yes, we might not have the time to declutter every room and every closet in our house, but if you can declutter your work environment, it actually sets your mind at ease. And I think it makes you more inclined to sit down there and to get to work. Um, so one of the studies that's been done, they found that the thing that kids need the most is not IQ and it's not where they're from and it's not what they ate for breakfast. It's something called executive function. And let me explain what that is. Executive function is the ability to sit down and to sort of like collect yourself 
and to get settled and, and, and plan sort of before you do a test, let's say, if a kid is sitting at their desk, they don't just like dive in and start like answering the multiple choice questions. Executive function would mean that they would sit down, they put their pencils over here, they look over the test, they take a deep breath, and they would sort of organize in their mind how they wanted to like go ahead and, and dive into this task. That those few moments before we begin something where we're not just reactive and we're not just filled with emotions and we're just sort of like going at full speed and we're not stopping. It's sort of like an element of mindfulness. I want you to think about before you sit down to do something, to take five minutes and just get calm and ask yourself, what results do you want right now? And what are you hoping to do? And and just collect yourself so that when you go for it and you begin, you're not beginning from a part of you that's still holding on to a conversation you had in the kitchen that was stressful or to something you watched on the news. You're really just giving yourself a few minutes to settle, to clear your mind, and to look at this project with intention. And and it might actually not only give you some, some feelings of energy, but it might give you like a creative idea like, oh yeah, I'm so glad I took a second because I reminded myself what I really wanted to get out of this is this particular thing. And it's going to help me now as I'm going through this motion to really be more precise and hit my target. So I hope that that was helpful. I think that the truth is, if you're really honest with yourself, we can definitely carve out the time. I think the trick is truly, we have to get the energy around wanting to do the work. And I think the more certain you are of what's possible, the more you think about the freedom that's on the other side of getting to do what you love, the more you think about how much more meaning, how much more you can contribute to the world, those things will fuel you. And also making sure that you find your groove, you do it at the time in the day where you have the most energy, that you proactively seek out energy. And also just thinking about some of the logistics about breaking these big, big goals into pieces I think is really helpful because it's less overwhelming, which gives you more bandwidth to sit down and get things done. I hope that as you go into the new year, you'll start to think about this and you'll have the courage and remember that good enough is good enough. You don't have to be perfect. I just posted recently on Instagram, less perfection, more authenticity. At the end of the day, the bottom line is that we're never, ever, ever going to be perfect. And I think what the world really wants, what's so rare is authenticity. And I think that if you just go with where you're at and you just begin and you keep building from there, I think that you're going to find your tribe. So you have to start where you are and stop beating yourself up and stop overthinking it because that's such an important muscle. It's such an important part of the journey and we are going to be uncomfortable sometimes, but we're going to wade through that and then we're going to be in this beautiful, clear space. The music that's coming out of us is better and better and more beautiful. The words that we're writing in these chapters are better and better. Our books are, you know, they're getting out there and we're really getting closer and closer to developing our sound and our voice and the cakes we're making are just more and more delicious. Please don't expect yourself to be perfect. Please stop beating yourself up. Please remember that when you were a kid, you would make the time to be creative. Of course you would make the time to be creative because you enjoyed it, because you weren't criticizing yourself at every second. And if you can remember what you loved about these things, why you love to paint, why you love to bake, why you love to play music, then you won't push it off. You will carve the time and you won't make it something that goes after watching TV because it'll be much more fun than watching TV because you'll reconnect with the magic of what it is to just be creative and to let yourself play. And slowly you'll be chipping away at getting your goals accomplished and you'll get better at your craft at the same time 
and amazing things, amazing things are in store for you. Okay, well, I hope that you guys got some good stuff from this. And here are the takeaways. Number one, good enough is good enough. Create and you can criticize later. Number two, break down big projects into smaller tasks. What's one step you can take today? Number three, plan backwards and hustle forwards. Number four, TV shouldn't be a habit. It should be a reward. Number five, don't multitask. Do one thing at a time. Number six, figure out what recharges your batteries. Number seven, create a work environment that you love. Number eight, before you start working, take a moment to think, what results do I want? Don't just be reactive. And number, and number nine, less perfection, more authenticity. All right. I love you guys. I hope that this season you will take one step forward and you will see amazing miracles and wishes coming true. Um, I'm going to leave you guys with a song uh, that's on that topic. It's actually a song that uh, I wrote about Christmas and about Hanukkah. And if you listen closely, you'll kind of hear those themes woven in. Um, It was used at the end of a couple holiday movies. Um, You guys can Google if you want to find those, or maybe I'll post them on my Facebook page if you want to see what movies they were in. If you want to be so kind and support our show, go to iTunes and leave us an iTunes review, or you can go to Instagram and post about our show and tag a few friends and tell them to listen to it. It helps us so much. Uh, Follow me on Instagram and I will follow you back. You can follow me at kathy.heller, C-A-T-H-Y dot H-E-L-L-E-R. And I will talk to you guys next week. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Every try to search for something you couldn't see at all. Every try to climb a mountain, but you felt too small. Sometimes from where you are Cause they seem so far And the weather turns cold And the fire burns cold